Welcome to In the Isles, a movie and TV podcast that will never be released in cinemas. I'm James Rothwell. I'm Dan Acton. This week, we'll be talking about what we've been watching. We'll cover some real news. And for our main review, we're talking Looted, the recently released British film. Bit of a shake-up of format this week. (laughs) (laughs) You say recently released, not everywhere. So Looted is available on Amazon Prime to rent, but is available on January the 21st on Apple TV to rent. What's that all about? And on IMDb, it says 2019. But what brought it to my attention, and the reason that I say it's new, is because this was covered in Mark Kermode's BBC News quick film summary, which is obviously new stuff, and he said this is new. So I'm taking it that this is new. No, let's let's go with that. And it's just going for a very weird, staggered release across different streaming platforms. But whatever. Hey, whatever. Listeners, you won't be able to see what I'm seeing, but it looks like you've had quite a drastic haircut. Oh, I don't. Don't get me started on this. So it has been a problem quite a while now, the hair. It's I've just not been able to do anything with it. I've been doing all different variations of a weird Lego haircut comb over which just doesn't look right at all so i'd had enough and she said i can't cope with you i need to do something about it so i said i'll bring it on right here's my trimmers go to town not what no whoa 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 don't go to town just approach it with caution let's just do it steadily as we go along she took it too far and now i quote from one of my colleagues i look like a human what's it so obviously that's not going to make sense unless you can see me but I've got ginger hair, and therefore that's that's the what's it reference. But whatever. So, yeah. Can I ask you a question about what led it to basically being shaved? Did she try different styles, and then eventually it was just forget it, just get rid of all of it, or from the start was it the full shave? So the beginning of lockdown, we did this very same exercise, and she watched a YouTube video. She prepped for this exercise, and. It went quite well because he said, start off with these numbers on your trimmer and then, you know, blend it in, do it in a a very, very phased approach. But she just said, oh, I can't remember. This is halfway through, by the way. She went, I can't remember what he said now. I was like, well, what what state is it in at the moment? She was like, I'm not showing you. So she just botched the whole thing. And at that point, yeah, it was right. Forget this. Just just, just shave it all off because it's lost course now. So, yeah, not impressed. I think it looks fine. It looks fine. You've got a good shaped head. That's what makes it work, I think. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, can I ask you a very quick question? Yes. Might not go into the podcast this, by the way, because it's it's so undeniably boring. It's untrue. But James, what is under your kitchen sink? Bin bags, uh, spare fairy liquid, sink hole unblocker bleach liquid. Yeah. Dishpan and brush, assorted sponges, kitchen spray. I think that's it. Okay, thanks. That's near enough. Bang on what what mine is. Um, no real reason for asking you to confirm. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that there is, but people might know that I'm used to things going completely wrong. But this week, James, something went wrong, but also overwhelmingly right at the same time. So in our kitchen, we've had this funky smell that presents itself now and again over the last few weeks. And we're like, where is that coming from? And because we've been lazy and been throwing 
my child's nappies in the bin. We thought, it's the bin. We'll just empty the bin. Anyway, it transpires that the plumbing has become disconnected under the sink and every single thing that we've been pouring down for weeks on end has just been pouring all over the bottom shelf. However, I say that, I've I've exaggerated because it's not quite true. There is a cup that was placed randomly right underneath the leak so rather than it actually going everywhere, I have a, a cup that's perfectly captured 80% of all the naff, horrible, funky water that strips out the sink. Oh, God, is that? That is the most interesting thing that's happened in my life in the last week. And post-lockdown, you can have that cup as a punishment at your post-lockdown get-together party in some kind of drinking game. The loser <laughs> drinks the sink waste. <laughs> Oh, if if you smell it, you wouldn't even do it for a million pound, I don't think. So I've I've already poured it away, but I wish I'd had the foresight to actually think about that. Good idea. Next time round, if the plumbing becomes disconnected, that's what I'm doing. Thanks for the tip. Should we give some watching tips and discuss what we've been watching? Let's do that. James, what have you been watching in this never-ending lockdown? I have been watching Industry which is on BBC iPlayer. It's a BBC slash HBO drama. This is going out weekly. So at time of recording, I've watched two episodes of the eight that will come. This is about graduate interns working at an investment bank in London or the city, as it's supposed to be called, it seems. It's written by two men who worked in the financial industry. So there's a reality to everything that goes on the central drama of the first episode is making sure that the font on the pitch books that they make is helvetica 12 because that's how the managing director likes it which is a very relatable moment coming into it i thought this would be a well-deserved takedown of financial services and everyone working in financial services and when i saw that lena lena dunham was the director of the first episode. I thought this is definitely going to be more of an activist lecture than television. But it's not. It's about believable, relatable, diverse characters. The four main graduates that are the main ensemble, they're at different levels of confidence and competence with different backgrounds, and they're totally real, totally believable characters. Each of these four has a line manager. One is a bully. One is charismatic, but stern. One is just trying to look good and even says, you need to go to counselling. Even if you don't need it, I need you to go because it's bad optics if you don't go to counselling. So as I said, this is two episodes in. So what it's actually about is difficult to say. It's currently about whether these graduate interns can survive the pressure of working in the investment bank and navigate the hierarchies that are going on and there is a financial times article that i read this afternoon with an interview with the writers and they talk about what they wanted to make with this and i think they've achieved it 100 it deals with the smaller moments with real characters it's not like the big short or wolf of wall street it's a much more personal tale industry on bbc i'm very much looking forward to the rest of this I've heard it's quite um, graphic in some of the darker aspects of the financial world as well. Is that fair to say? The first episode ends with an event that sets things off. So it shows the stresses of it 
for sure. And then in the second episode, there's quite an intense argument that goes on. So it's it's intense and it's adult in, in a number of ways, but I'd recommend it. Okay, very good. And thank you for schooling me because I actually thought Lena Dunham created this. Didn't know she was just directing it. That's it, just. That's a big responsibility to take on, but uh, thanks for filling me in. And can I say that this show, program, industry, was a nice counterbalance companion to Looted that we'll talk about later because industry is about young people at the highest that you can possibly be. Go to university, get a graduate job in the financial services in London, the highest of human achievement that's available, whereas Looted is about the other end of the spectrum. Young people who have no path they're not doing anything. They've got no future. So in one week, I've watched these completely different visions of life in the UK. Yeah, that's an interesting juxtaposition. I wish I'd watched it as well. To, uh... In fact, I'd be really revealing too much about my main review, so I'll shut up now. Anything else? I've also watched Private Lives, which is a Korean drama on Netflix. This is branded as a Netflix original, but it seems to me more like it's a Korean drama being broadcast on Korean television and Netflix have the international distribution rights. So I don't think Netflix really have anything to do with it. And you can see that with how the titles and credits are all in Korean. Anyway, this is about a woman, mainly, Cha Joon, who's raised by con artists and she ends up herself in a life of con artistry and she's on a quest to outsmart her con artist rival who screws over her dad when she's younger that's what it starts off with then there's a whirlwind romance storyline then an evil corporation starts doing evil corporation things then there's martial arts fighting in a car park and a car chase there's so much going on who is conning who what is everyone after can charjun find the truth so much going on it flips between tones and genres all the time but it's fun and melodramatic and lavish. And the music goes from Latin dance to funk with wah-wah guitars like Shaft to atmospheric Zimbresque sounds. It's got that, but it's set in modern day Korea. It doesn't fit at all. <laughs> anyway, another note that I want to point out is that the main character who's played by K-pop girl group star Sohyun. I even looked at the pronunciation for that, but I think I've still messed it up. She's the most fashionable person I've ever seen on a TV program. She goes to the morgue in a fashionable denim jumpsuit and sunglasses. Then she goes to the town hall to fill out paperwork in a form-fitting black dress and then goes to work in secret at this big company wearing a hot pink jacket with shoulder pads. She's so fashionable all the way through even when she's talking about struggling with money she's so fashionable and perfect looking all the way through that it's distracting but it adds to this whole lavish stylish feel of the whole thing it's it's really fun to watch primarily a battle of con artists okay i'm interested what's that off nathan barley no sorry it's from a broadway musical actually it's not a film so it's not relevant moving on um, any honourable mentions this week? An honourable mention that I've got is Ovi, Life After Reality TV, which is about Ovi, who was on Love Island last year. He's the really tall guy, tall, dark and handsome, who's also a professional basketball player. This is only 47 minutes. It's on BBC iPlayer. But there's so much packed in, in terms of 
his reflections on the decision between following the reality star media appearance career, being a professional basketball player. And he has interviews with reality TV alumni and they're surprisingly honest about their success. So you're sitting down with this couple who've also been in Love Island. I don't know who they are. They've just bought a five bedroom house that they're doing up and it's based mainly off of social media endorsements. And they admit, yeah, it's disgusting and it makes me sick. She says when she's earning £50,000 a month maximum, she says that's made me feel sick just saying that. And they admit, oh, we don't know when it's going to last. We know this isn't important work, but you have to make the most of it. And there's this other alumni from Love Island who did a YouTube video where she railed against all the social media, reality TV industry. And you interview her as well. And it talks about how she's now doing an OnlyFans and trying to be more independent. And Ovi's agent, you can see that she is under pressure to retain Ovi as a client because for her, Ovi is an income generator. Mm. She's an agent trying to retain clients for her business. So she's in the taxi with him saying, well, when you did Love Island, maybe you were already giving up basketball. So maybe you should just keep being a reality star so I can keep collecting a percentage from your appearance fees. Um, it was just a surprisingly good 47 minute documentary. Oh, interesting. I found out this week, do you know Megan Barton Hansen from Love Island? Yes. She earns £850,000 a month from her OnlyFans page. That is obscene. That's that ca- 850000 a month. Fact check me if you want, but unless I have got that wrong, which is possible, I'm pretty confident. That's, wow, okay, I did not know that. Yeah. There you go. If you would like an insight into the lives of reality stars and, and what follows. Give that a go. It's on BBC iPlayer. Yes. Ovi, Life After Reality TV. Good, good. That's all for my week of streaming consumption. Daniel, what have you been watching? First on my list is a programme called DNA, which is on BBC iPlayer. This is a... I need to find out what nationality is, so I don't seem ignorant. I'm sorry. One second. I think it's Danish. Danish. It is Danish. I should have, should have gone with my gut. This is a Danish TV programme which is very reminiscent of... Do you remember The Missing British production with James Nesbitt? Yes, I remember. It was good. It was very good, both seasons, actually. And it's spin-off, Baptiste, if you never watched that. But, um, yeah, it's very similar in tone, but with other languages. And the storyline is similar in some respects. It's about there's a detective, and five years after, his daughter disappears on a on a ship where it seemingly looks as though she's been catapulted overboard by a a violent tide, which is not the case. Oh, spoiler. He discovers a fatal flaw in their national DNA database and what looks to be a very open and shut case suddenly spins off into several different directions with endless possibilities as to what seemingly looked like an accident now might be a conspiracy. So... Really good mix of acting talent in this um, from several different countries. Weirdly enough, Charlotte Rampling turns up as a French detective who speaks English 90% of the time, which was confusing, but go figure. It's a really good crime mystery that, as I say, hints at some form of corruption and a wider mystery than that which you're 
originally presented with. It is a bit annoying that after the first two episodes, it seems to just do this reset. And obviously I can't go into it without going into spoilers, but it's almost like, oh, what was the point in those first two episodes? Now we're back at square one. And I was a bit miffed with that at first. I thought that's just a complete waste of my time. But as the story's progressing, it seems as though those first two episodes were serving a greater purpose. And as I say, there's a lot more afoot than what I initially thought. Just all in all, it's a really good, solid police procedural and another fine Scandi edition that I am more than happy with so far. I'm about halfway through and I'm really enjoying it. And I think if that sounds your jam, give it a go. It's DNA on BBC iPlayer. Is it all currently available? On yes, all eight episodes. Very good. What else have you been watching? So despite saying life is so boring that a leaking sink is one of the only notable things that's happened to me in the last week. It doesn't mean I've managed to watch anything new. So I'm going to recycle some old content and I'm issuing an update on The Undoing, which we lightly touched on a few episodes ago. I'd just seen the pilot, but, you know, keep people abreast as to, is it still worth watching? And I think I mentioned it at the time when I was summarising this, but The IMDb plot synopsis is life for a successful therapist in New York begins to unravel on the eve of publishing her first book. Now, I'll tell you something. That is not the plot. She isn't releasing a book. It's completely inaccurate. This is based on a book, and I think they've just took what was the synopsis of the book and just stuck it on the IMDb page. She's not releasing a book. So Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant play husband and wife in this drama, and I'm happy to report that four episodes in, it's still really engaging and suspenseful. I'm really caught up in the mystery. And I've made two calls so far as to where I think the plot is going, and both have panned out and proved to be true. Now, that could pinpoint that, you know, maybe it's a bit too predictable. Could just mean that I'm really intelligent and I should write screenplays. I think it's probably the latter. But the plot is, it's like a long and winding road. It's full of twists and turns. There are a few decisions the police make that defy all logic and common sense, and I don't think it would really happen in real life. So they they interrogate Nicole Kidman about her husband, but they let on far too much information about what they've uncovered so far. They wouldn't do this in real life. That didn't quite ring true. But that aside, Nicole Kidman... As I say, she's playing this character whose life's been completely uh, upended and things have just turned upside down for her. And she just brings her air game to doing this icy death stir episode after episode. You really feel like you can just sense her inner rage about what's uh, happening in her personal life. And it, she's not the only character that happens with. Each character is multi-layered. Hugh Grant takes charismatic sleaze to a different level in this. I don't think I've ever seen a performance from him that was quite this strong. Uh, It is nothing you've not seen before, but it is shot very well. It looks very expensive and I'm really enjoying it and I'm going to stick with it. And I would encourage others to seek it out and give it a watch. I definitely need to watch this because I've not watched it based on your first comments, even though I did want to, but now I really need to get on it. I need to get on it. You should, you should. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Sounds like Hugh Grant Hugh Grant is playing a sleazy version of his typecast self. It no. is, but it's not it, it does feel worlds apart from what you've you regularly see him in, even though it's the same sort of 
character. There's a nuance to this role that he doesn't quite tap into with things I've seen him in in the past. Excellent. Speaking of the past, why don't we discuss some news that will be irrelevant in seven days' time? (laughs) It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. First off, I've recycled review content. Now I'm going to recycle news content. So we covered it last week. Wonder Woman, it was suspected that it will be released on HBO Max and in cinemas. It's happened. It's 100% happened. The only correction I have to make to last week's news is that it won't take a two-week delay in being released on streaming services. It's going to happen simultaneously, right away. Got to be honest... I've spent so much time talking about this film and I have absolutely no desire to see it. Now it's finally here, I really couldn't give a fig. I haven't seen the first one. I haven't seen the first one. But we're catering to the masses. Most people are in high anticipation for this, right? Yeah, we'll definitely do it as the main review, I'm sure. But I think this is the new tenet for this podcast that we're talking about every week until we finally, finally, finally come and see it. The new controversy for... UK consumers of films is that we've got the cinema release, but HBO Max is not available in the UK. So what are the streaming plans for the UK? It's not been announced. So we'll have to to talk about it again when we talk about the streaming plans in the UK, whether it's now TV or Netflix or video on demand. Yeah, I think it's going to be an Amazon Prime job in myself, but time will tell. What do you know, James? Speaking of things that don't work, The Godfather Part 3. I did not know that this was being re-released as a director's cut, coppola cut. It's called Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. Did you know this was happening? No. Why, why can't he leave things alone? There's a new beginning scene and a new end scene. Other scenes have been recut a little bit and there's new musical cues. It's being released on 4th of December in select theaters in america only probably then 8th of december somewhere online the big question for me is in all this re-editing what are they going to do with sofia coppola (laughs) that's one of the most notable things about the film is her performance and how she had to remove herself from that performance and become really good director instead so this one's on my radar now it's News, because Francis Ford Coppola, who introduced himself as Francis Coppola, he's just released a video on YouTube where he talks about it a little bit. It's very informative. He's unrecognisable in the video, by the way, but this video has just come out where he explains his approach and how this is closer to his original vision for The Godfather Part 3. So, one to watch out for next month. And I just ask, given that he was held in such regard at the time, what was the first release if it wasn't his intended vision? Because presumably he had the authority to go off and do whatever he pleased. No? Is that not the case? I don't know a lot of the background to the film, if I'm honest. Not going to lie, neither do I. But I think there was more studio interference than you would think with Godfather Part 3. He didn't even want it to be called Godfather Part 3. He originally wanted it to be called this, Godfather Coda, Death of Michael Corleone. And apparently at the time, he was broke as the Americans would say, or as British people would say, skint. 
And that's why he did Godfather Part 3. All right, fair enough. I'm confused as to whether... I mean, he's done a fair bit of mess, messing around with the rest of his back catalogue, and this is quite widely known as one of the lesser films in the Godfather trilogy. Why is he doing it now? I just think this is a cash grab, to be quite honest, but we'll see. Yeah, bit of free time. Sat at home with his computers. He's just thought, I'll have a mess around with a Godfather DVD rip and try and cut it up a little bit. <laughs> I heard as well, by the way, I, w- I was listening to a, a Rifle podcast and they were talking about his many cuts of Apocalypse Now. And apparently he's gone back on, I forget specifically which cut it was, whether it was Redux or something else. But he was like, actually, yeah, it wasn't that good, that. I just watched this version instead. So I don't trust the man. I just think he likes tinkering. Leave things alone, Francis, and just die quietly. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, there's an argument against having directors cuts altogether, isn't there? Yeah. Have you heard about uh, HBO Max demanding a trilogy from Zack Snyder for Justice League? What, having the Snyder cut us three films? Because there's no, that no, much no. footage. <laughs> no, no, ha- having that director's cut, but then bringing another f- two films into the mix as well. Yeah, Nobody wants that. No, no. Have you got any remaining news? Yes, so in in further drama within the cinematic landscape. Not only are we getting delays after delays after delays, things released on streaming platforms that were intended for theatres, but now Universal Films has put another nail in cinema's coffin by announcing that any film that makes under $50 million at the box office will be shortly released on streaming services thereafter. This is a deal that they've struck with AMC in the last week. So... Not going to impact us in the UK so far, as far as I can tell, but this is a surefire sign of things to come. Um, And not a good thing in my eyes. So I get we're in different times, but you're basically saying any flop, you'll be able to see it immediately. Oh, oh, great. I'm I'm really excited to watch the latest box office flop. Can't wait to watch Grown Up 6, me. Just, no, doesn't, I just don't get it. I mean, I do understand that some great films don't take in the big books regardless of a pandemic, but I just think it's like saying, I'm going to enter my daughter for Miss World, and when she loses, I'm going to make her work in a fast food restaurant and serve the general public below average meals. I don't don't think that analogy quite works, but you know what I'm saying. So much to get my head around with that analogy. I I think I might just leave it. (laughs) I think that's wise. It's like it's like these films landing with an air of failure about them. I mean, don't get me wrong, this will sustain this podcast, but I just don't know whether I agree with it. Yeah, it's like it'll come out on streaming and the YouTube ads will say, available now on streaming, fresh out of the cinemas. Yeah, fresh out of the cinemas because it stunk out the cinemas and it was kicked out. Don't try and t- tell us this is exciting. We'll have to be convinced that it's exciting, that it's available on demand, when we know the reason it's there is because it wasn't successful. And what about films that have a small budget? There's no expectation it's going to make this 50 million in whatever period of time they're saying. That's already guaranteed to be coming out on video on demand then by these new rules. 
I, th- I think it is more or less saying unless it's James Bond, unless it's Jurassic Park, unless it's another Christopher Nolan film that doesn't make sense, it's coming straight to video on demand. So anyway, just thought that was that was quite interesting. And surely it will send shockwaves through the film industry for years to come. Maybe. Another prediction. We'll see what happens. Yep. You got any more news on the down law? I'll hit you with two at once, a left and right combo. Predator 5 is being made. Why? Why? <laughs> well, more, more to the point, when was Predator 4 released? Predator 4 was the Shane Black 2018 flop. Oh, I thought that was considered separate from the... Well, they are, they are. There's no continuity, I think, or very little. So this is just being called Predator 5 for now because it's the fifth one. But just why bother? I, my understanding is that the last one, it was set up for a possible sequel which hasn't happened. They're rebooting it after only two years. So that's the first one. Second one, two more Pirates of the Caribbean films are in development that are both reboots moving away from Johnny Depp. One of them stars Margot Robbie, and she says it's going to have a lot of girl power. We're really excited the prospect of kind of adding a very female element to that world. Keira Knightley, down the memory hole, it seems. (laughs) And... In the last Pirates of the Caribbean film, I understand, I've not seen it, they set that up for a sequel as well, which hasn't happened. So here you've got Predator, Pirates of the Caribbean. They've already been run into the ground and they're still going on. I know it's all about money, but just leave it. No one cares. Just leave it. There's just not an original bone left in Hollywood's rotting corpse anymore, is there? It's horrendous. What, are you actually going to play Captain Jane Sparrow? (laughs) I don't don't know what to say. I just just feel depressed after this segment. How can we be convinced to watch these when the previous failures are so recent? Mm. Well, I'm I'm not. I'm not convinced. I just... Can we just finish recording? Yeah. Feel really down. We'll at least finish with real news and maybe take a break. Okay. Before our main review. Which is coming up next. <laughs> Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Hold me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is new video on demand release, Looted. Listen tonight, I need you and him to go over to the dock and do me a big one. There's a lot more money in it than this. Oh, steady. It's an easy job tonight, Dave. I promised Amir a decent driver. I want to take you. I'm not going to be around for much longer. Can't say that. Yeah, move! Move, Rob, move! Go, 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 go! You're a fire! You can't save him, you know. If you're bringing a book around, reading it to him, it's going to fix him. 
you know what? I knew there was more to this car than he was letting on. He's treating us like children here. Now he's going to have to pay for it. Yeah, now I see a car. Look out, sir! With ambitions to dream of greater prospects outside the world of sport, Hartlepool, a town globally renowned for its fifth-tier National League football club, attempts to boost tourism by joining forces with film industry experts, the BBC and the British Film Institute, to bring us Looted, an informative education piece on which squalid landmarks not to visit, which deplorable humans you should distance yourself from, and more importantly, were not to park your car. Brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> 50 year football club. <sighs> or as IMDb would have it, Rob lives his life at 100 miles per hour, carefully balancing carjacking schemes and caring for his dying father. But one risky job could bring it all crashing down. Daniel, what did you think of Looted? Before I get into that, can I save myself an apology for next week? Not trying to have a dig at Hartlepool. I've never been. I'm just saying, if it's like this in any shape or form, I just don't want to go. That's all I'm saying. But I'm sure it's not all like this. Um, let's start off with the good stuff. The dialogue's really difficult to understand at points. And I'm from England. I think it might be something to do with the audio track, but I had no idea what was going on within that opening monologue. Sorry, I said good stuff, didn't I? The performances are good. Um, you get, I think he's, was his character named Moose from This Is England, the little ginger kid? I don't know. Oh, anyway, you'll know who I mean. Weird little Thomas ginger Turgus. kid. Thomas Turgus is the actor's name. Thank you. Thank you. Him, he appears in this and, you know, he's he's grown up a lot, but he's still an odd looking chap. Uh, the main guy, Charlie Palmer Rothwell, anyone with that surname is going to be a legend in their own field. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He's very good in this. Never seen him in anything else. Roman Polanski's daughter makes an appearance, which has more metaphorical meaning than I ever thought possible. And I'll come on to that later in spoilers. But the handheld camera that is quite pivotal to the way that this film is shot, it makes you feel part of the action. It's very fly on the wall with a camera. Um, it's got that sort of quality to it. It's very competently made. It is a raw, gritty slice of English life. But I didn't want to be there. And although the acting's good, these are the exact sort of people that I have no desire to spend any time with whatsoever. At the centre of it is a father and son relationship that I had no attachment to whatsoever. And I'm going to go personal now. I, I've cared for my mum before she passed away, we had unresolved issues. And despite all that, it did not resonate with me in the slightest. I just thought they were an absolute bunch of scumbags. It's miserable. It's depressing. I didn't care about the character's plight. The main protagonist, you're supposed to have some form of empathy for him. And all the triggers are there. His dad's disabled. He's caring for him. He's got such a challenging path ahead of him that he chooses criminality but his dad's not an abusive prick he should just go out and get a job what is his incentive for stealing 
It's horrible people doing nasty stuff with little redeeming nature about them. I did feel slightly sorry for the dad. How could I not? But what is the message of this film? Don't get caught stealing cars and don't leave terminally ill people without resolving arguments. Get pissed on the docks and forget about it. James, what did you think about this? I think it's been a while since we've disagreed so much. So here are my comments. This seems to take place over two, possibly three days, but I thought it had a, a rich plot and I was engaged throughout. The more of these films that we do, the more I realised that 90 minutes is a good runtime. Beginning, middle and end, solid. You're done in 90 minutes. It's less adult than I was expecting based on the premise. There's no violence. There's not a lot of crime, but it's a crime story. It's not a hard-hitting, grim crime drama. It's a more personal story, but still one for adults, definitely. I love This Is England, which you've mentioned a bit ago, and Stephen Graham in that film. That's one of the best performances ever in a film. And that's where Thomas Turgoose debuted. So it's difficult for me not to think of This Is England when I'm watching this film. And This Is England, like this, is about the collapse of the life prospects of people in parts of Northern England. And I think this captures that it's grim up north feeling really well, but in a more poetic way that I would say does find some reasons to be positive. I liked that it showed some sweeping scenic shots of beautiful Hartlepool. It wasn't trying to show Hartlepool as the grimiest, dirtiest place on earth. In other films like this, everything's dirty and terrible. People are just filthy and there's graffiti and rubbish everywhere. But this doesn't do that. The four actors, the four main actors, I think are incredible. I completely believed them and maybe we can talk about each of them later the chemistry between rob and leo the two main characters was totally believable the dialogue was really natural between them it felt improvised it was so natural and so believable the way they laugh at each other's jokes and sort of fist bump and slap each other on the shoulder loved that chemistry tom fisher as the father was heartbreaking i thought he was good morgan polanski daughter of roman she was good as well. I liked her. Like I've said, there isn't an overwhelming atmosphere of darkness over everything. It's more of a day-in-the-life story with flashes of excitement and shouting. It left me with a feeling that is best described with a quote that I found, and I'm, I'm quoting here. We weren't necessarily put in the best position to make the best decisions. You can't be hard on yourself for it. These are the cards you were given, so you have to understand that's not who you are. You know you're trying to be the best you can be, but that's all you can do. If you don't give it all you got, you're only cheating yourself. Give it all you got, but if it ends up happening, it ends up happening. Do you want to know which philosopher said that? Kevin Keegan. Justin Bieber. Oh, oh. Not going to lie, like some of his music, so I'm not that surprised. Yeah, yeah, some good stuff. On Purpose, 2015 album, not going to lie. Mm, fair enough. Reaction's well, quite different here for once. Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that that was your takeaway from it. I just wish that was what I'd got out of it, to be quite honest. It just didn't click with me for some reason. And I, the only thing that I find poetic about this is this is people who are forced into, as I say, a criminal way of, of life because they don't have many options available. And the poetic thing about this is 
this is what I thought Roman Polanski's daughter's career mirrored because she doesn't want to be linked with her father. So how is she going to progress her film career, appear in a little-known British film that nobody's going to see, and it'll be fine. No, no one will bring up her dad. It's fine. Just just exist in this little-known film. There you go. That's, that, that's the only thing that I find poetic. I just... I really don't know what it was. I don't know if I just wasn't in the right mood for it. I just wasn't a fan at all of this film. There was something about the, the tone of it from the start that set it up. There's this sort of atmospheric music at the start, and I think it just shows the, the sky and the clouds passing by, and it just set up a more, I can't think of a better word, a more poetic tone than something grim. And I thought, complete opposite to you, Charlie Palmer Rothwell, no relation, who plays Rob, who's the guy caring for his dying father. I do think he was sympathetic because he repeatedly says, I'm not going to do this job, I'm not going to do this job. But he does it anyway. And I did think it was showing that there's nothing to do. There's no jobs. And it presented it to me as the only option. That's what I got of it. Because it takes place over a day or two, possibly three. And it shows them doing nothing. I thought it showed that there was nothing to do. It doesn't even show them going anywhere. They're just hanging around. And I thought that added to this sense of we will just end up stealing cars because what else are we going to do we're just kicking a ball back and forth over a fence but yeah the leo character played by thomas Tagoose, he's he was awful i thought he started off being quite a lovable chap likely lad but you do realize he's uh, he's not very nice can i just say as well i think we all know a leo don't we in our lives we do that we do no uh, names uh, we're not naming names can you just he he, he tries to he doesn't drive even though he's involved in the car stealing business he doesn't drive he gets in rob's car says give me a lift and then immediately asks for a spliff <laughs> and then after the lift he just gets out of the car doesn't say thank you just gets out of the car i thought morgan polanski was really good in this she was in vikings season five she plays the the wife of a arsehole king <laughs> of Prussia. she's in that she's hardly recognizable though I wasn't expecting her to be so prominent. I just thought it'd be about the two lads. But when she starts to develop the friendship, which thankfully is just a friendship, nothing weird happens, develops a friendship with the father. I thought that added a totally unexpected element to it, that in all this nothingness, the bleakness, she's deciding for no reason other than just to do it is to reach out to someone on the verge of death and try and connect with them. I wasn't expecting something like that, especially from the IMDb synopsis, which was Rob lives his life at 100 miles per hour. He's in <laughs> carjacking schemes. Then suddenly you've got Kasia at this guy's endless ongoing deathbed looking through old tapes. It was very heartfelt, I thought. Okay. Yeah, now, now that you've highlighted a few moments in the film, and I'm not saying I was completely ignorant to it, but there's nothing that I can pinpoint that, I didn't get attached to, but I just didn't feel connected to that emotional arc. Oh, sorry, the emotional core of the film with the father and the son. I don't know what it was, and maybe it's because I've brought too much of my own personal feelings into it, but I just didn't like either of them. I think there is, as you pointed out, there's very good reasons to feel sympathy for him. I think that is undeniable, but I just didn't get to that point. Um, 
and I'm not trying to be classist here or anything like that, but I think the setting and the situations that they encountered are so out of my life experience that I found it hard to gel with it, maybe. And that's why I just felt a bit disconnected from it. I don't know. Can't can't put my finger on it. Because like I said, it's a really competently made film. I don't think there's anything glaringly obvious about, oh, that was particularly bad or that was really sloppy. Um, it's just preference, I think. And I can't back myself up with facts. So what does that say? Well, I can't back myself up with facts either. It's just our reaction to what was going on. My my other complaint for a film called Looted, it's two cars stolen, that's it. Like, where's the action? Like, don't, don't missell me on the thing. It's a bit disappointed by that. To pick up on that point about it being outside of our experience, it is outside of our personal own lived experience. But I think we were in the same orbit as people like this in high school i think to to an extent very small number like two or three specific examples that i can think of um so i felt like i'd seen people like this and maybe at the time you would have thought oh well they're just you know idiots but then i feel like as time has gone on and as i've seen one of them on a train a few years ago when he just sat down to me and was acting completely normal he was like yeah i'm working as a security guard here's a picture of my kid that I don't, I don't know. I don't know what point I'm making. I feel like this isn't that far from what we've seen from a, some distance. And that made it a little bit relatable as well. Yeah. I will, I will give it props for the fact that, all right, it didn't rope me into its emotional storyline, but it does give you a bit of food for thought when it comes to certain individuals you might encounter in your life who you think, oh my God, they're just absolute subhuman scum. Well, no, they just might be knocking around with the wrong crowd and don't don't pigeonhole everyone because there might be inherently some good in a lot of people that you're just not privy to. I'll, I'll give it that at least. Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of what made it relatable all the characters more understandable is that it appears to be taking place in what nme.com described in their review as thatcher ravaged northern england while it's not political i do think that is what you're seeing it's an entire community town that has maybe had opportunities taken away and you're left with the wreckage of the past the literal wreckage of this father who's dying because of the work that he did and the children that just have to go, well, what what do I do now? Yeah. James, let's not beat about the glove box. Would you recommend, forgotten the film, Looted? Would you recommend Looted? Yes, wholeheartedly. Daniel, would you recommend Looted? I feel like this film was about stealing things and at the same time it stole my time. And there's a lot of good things out there which are free that you don't have to pay rental fees for that are far better than this. So it's going to be an absolute no. Very good. Clear disagreement, which is quite rare on this podcast. It is. It is. Shall we spoil away? Yes. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Leo, the one who's a bit of a dick, he eventually convinces Rob to take on a job to steal a BMW from within the secure grounds of the port in Hartlepool. They steal it. The police catch Charlie. Oh, there were drugs in the car. 
Charlie, is released on bail, but he's going to have a court date eventually. Leo kind of disappears, doesn't apologise at all for this. He's not captured. Dad dies off screen and we're left with Rob and Kasia embracing each other by the sea film ends. What what are your thoughts on the climactic events? Not very climactic, say that much. Um no I I just felt that there was there was too much that was put into this film that didn't have a defined ending or resolution to it and that frustrated me a bit. I agree with something that you said before. It's really nice to see a film that has a running time of 90 minutes. And I think if it had gone on any longer, I'd have found myself a bit frustrated. But that aside, it, it I do feel like they could have put a bit more in there to just flesh out some of these plot threads that were left unresolved. Like, for example, Kasia latches onto the dad character who... Uh, Oswald and she does not know the man at all she meets him for the first time instantly oh I'm invested I want to save you I want to look after you and there's no real motivation behind that or any context behind she had I don't know her father passed away and she's looking for a father figure whatever it might be now you pointed out before and I think it was a very good point that some people are just nice they like to do nice things and maybe that's why and that's something for me to think about maybe don't probably be so cynical all the time and think think the worst but i just wanted a bit more dramatic purpose to 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 why she was so heavily invested what were your thoughts on that particular relationship dynamic well as soon as she sat down to start talking to him i thought if this turns into some kind of weird perverted thing i'm not going to be happy but that didn't happen it was just a sincere let's be friends but yeah they have one they have two or three scenes together but then once Oswald, the father, ends up in hospital. She doesn't see him again, and it's not resolved. She doesn't say goodbye. They don't say goodbye to each other. It's just left unsatisfied. Maybe that's the point, but, yeah, nothing happens. And there's there's just so many instances of that sort of stuff. So, obviously, Kasia is in a relationship with the Leo character, and there is a hint at a possible relationship with Rob, although that never really materialises. And like you said, maybe more of a friendship. But again, you don't get to learn what the outcome of that relationship between Leo and Kasia is. Is she now free to be with Rob? Has Rob binned Leo off even? Because he just completely abandoned him once he was arrested and there was no real recompense for that. It just wasn't addressed at all. Just didn't tie anything up for me. Yeah, you're right. You're right. When it just ends... I thought, hang on, have Leo and Kasia split up or not? Because I think the last scene together might be when Leo, as a hilarious practical joke, he surprises Kasia with a fire extinguisher to the face, which is just a joke. It's just a joke. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Maybe that's what causes them to just split up, but it it was left as we don't really know what happens. Yeah. I mean, I hope they did split up because she is out of his league. I don't know. don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, I mean, if, if you were her and you have the option of Rob or Leo from the start, Rob's obviously the better option. Yeah, and also, I suppose this was purposeful and I'm probably picking away a bit too much just because I wasn't that fond of the film, but his dad dies, presumably, after this confrontation that they've had where they really do part on not the best of terms. But is that the case? You don't know that that is how it was left, 
and I like it because it's a positive-ish ending, but he doesn't seem deeply emotionally affected by the, the death, which led me to believe that there was some form of resolution there. Obviously, he gets the tape where he is that his dad loves him and therefore it's a bit of a admission that if it gives him for going down the criminal route and whatever, but it's just, it's just not clarified. And I just felt a bit annoyed with it by the end, if I'm honest. Yeah. I felt like I'd missed a beat and I had to rewind it and think, hang on, is, is, he, is he dead then? Is that what just happens? Because they're in a car, he gets out of the car and he's got an urn. And I realized if I hadn't been watching like undertaker career recap videos. I wouldn't have immediately recognized that as an urn. And I thought, oh, that must have his ashes in. Oh, he's dead. Oh, okay. This seems like it's a low-budget, micro-budget film, so it might be a question of did they have the budget to mount a funeral scene? Perhaps not. Mm. And in that scene where Rob and Oswald are arguing with each other, that was the only bit that seemed overdramatic and out of place because... Rob says, okay, you want to do this? Let's do this now. And he suddenly empties all his feelings out. And it seemed a bit like we need a scene where he just says everything. So mm. let's just do it now. And it all just happens suddenly where everything else was a bit more subtle and quiet. That was where just say everything that needs to be said, explain all of your feelings, then cry in the car. And then he's dead. One more thing about Leo. One more thing that wasn't followed up on and it did seem like it was really needed, was when they are driving this car that's got 50 grand worth of drugs in it, Charlie's in the car, Leo sees the police first. Leo runs away in a classic leave your friends behind moment, and then Rob gets captured, and his life is ruined. The next time Rob and Leo see each other, Leo being an awful person, he doesn't apologize, he doesn't address it, but Rob doesn't say, why did you run off? You are horrible. This is really annoying. I've gone to jail. I'm going to go to prison. This was all your idea. Like, where was that? Maybe it's not that kind of film, but that was literally unbelievable that when Rob sees Leo again, he just says, yeah, I'll give you a lift. No mention of the betrayal or the running off. Yeah, I I noticed that as well. And I did, or I do now, in hindsight, put it down to... Maybe the Rob character is meant to be seen as a people pleaser. He doesn't want to rock the boat. And you see quite a lot of evidence of that with every other character other than his father throughout the whole film. But that's in hindsight. Like I said, there was a lot of things like that where it simply didn't make sense to me how certain scenes played out. So I'll give you a good example. One of the first scenes, you know, when they steal the first car and they deliver it to the guy who's tasked them with doing it. Yeah. He berates Rob for rifling through his bin and doing this, that, and the other, basically implying that he's an absolute idiot. And then Rob just goes, Oh, why well, this electrical equipment? My, my dad's quite into this sort of old school stuff. So is that all right? And then he goes, He's all right, isn't he? He's just been slagging him off for 45 seconds, calling him an absolute imbecile. And then he goes, He's all right, isn't he? I was like, What? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Or, or he says something like, He's a good lad, him. I just, some of the ways that, the dialogue was presented was was problematic for me didn't quite ring true on a theft themed episode i think we've stolen enough of your time let's end this as always if you wish to reach out to us please do so by emailing us at in the aisles podcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us how james 
on Instagram in the Isles podcast now featuring video content on IGTV. Yes, fine work from you there, James. Please do go and seek it out. Give it a watch. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. We are number 36 in Germany without any German listeners. Answer me that. How does that make sense? Don't understand. VPN, maybe? Oh, wait, that would still be in Germany, wouldn't it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. Next week, we are reviewing... Thank you. We are reviewing David Cronenberg's son's you say that I can't say it. I'm fucking much wrong with me. <laughs> Reviewing David Cronenberg's son's film Possessor, which, judging from the poster alone, is going to be creepy AF. Means as fuck. So until then, just get a job, you scum. <laughs>